Thanks, everybody, for listening to The Sure Thing today. Warren and Ryan here with you again. Lots of stuff to talk about today. We'll talk about the Mavericks, the NBA, and we forgot to mention it last last week when it around Monday, but uh, could do a little college football coming in as they're going to go to a 12-team playoff. We haven't talked about that yet. So that's coming up on today's show. We have time for the college football. Um, you can check us out Spotify iTunes and on the iHeartRadio podcast app. Ryan, how's it going? Happy first birthday to your son Jackson yesterday. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, we're just uh, been going good, just getting ready for that. It's unfortunate he's uh, a little under the weather right now. I think he's getting a couple new teeth, and whenever that happens, he gets uh, he gets a little little sick. So hopefully that clears up by tomorrow. But uh, yeah, no, I appreciate it. No problem is my sis- sister's birthday on Wednesday. Yeah, two days ago, so I want to give her a little birthday thing. Birthday shout-out there. What did what, you do for your son's birthday? Uh, well, we were planning on taking him to, like, a little gym play place yesterday, but since he was sick, we decided that probably wasn't a good idea, so we're just having a a pretty decent-sized party tomorrow. We just invited, you know, family and friends or whatever, and not thinking that not a lot of people would come, but um, way more people than we thought were coming, so it's going to be uh, quite the blowout tomorrow here at the house. Nice, nice. All right, let's get into it. The Mavericks, big moves, big moves. It's been a crazy NBA uh, week or since really, uh, what was that, Wednesday night? Tuesday, Wednesday during the day, a crazy day with, with uh, coaches getting let go. Then Chris Paul goes into COVID protocol. Then we got Kawhi with his knee. He's hurt. And then Scott Brooks is out. Uh there was another coach that got let go too in the middle there. Um, oh, Stan Van Gundy's gone, and then Donnie Nelson goes, and then yes, and then we have the Durant with like an all-time performance the night before, and then yesterday Rick Carlisle goes, and then the Bucks force a game seven, and the Clippers win when you don't think they're going to win without Kawhi. Trey Young has an amazing comeback, and the and the Hawks do it. Just crazy. Crazy times in the NBA, but let's start off with the Mavs. The Mavs, they are in disarray right now. There's no, uh, there's no uh, jumping around it. They're in disarray. The Athletic article came out Monday when we were recording from Tim Cato and Sam Amick, and they just talked about the dysfunction in the front office with Donnie Nelson, and then how it really started when they hired uh, this guy. Harala Bob Volgaris, who was an analytics guy, and in the article they say that uh, they say that um, he was like Cuban's right hand man, and in the story they go on and say like he was calling, he was calling, um, he was calling teams about trades, and then and then and then uh, Donnie Nelson would would call the next team, and they're like, oh, we've already been talked about here with the trade. Blah blah blah, this and that. Just total. That set the moves. That set the, everything in motion. But then you read the follow-up article of what happened on the Athletic, and Nelson got. They said he parted ways on Wednesday. The Athletic article said he got fired on Sunday. So, I mean, this article they were they've been they've known about this for a while, but the Mavs are in disarray, and part of part of me thinks that it's not a bad thing that at this moment in the franchise that they are starting fresh with Nelson gone and Carlisle gone. Like I was, I've been saying as it's been known that 
I think they should have moved on from Carlisle at the end of this season anyways. The guy hasn't won a playoff series in two years. Only twice in his 13-year career with the Mavericks, he's moved on in the playoffs. I understand the teams at times haven't been that great, but him and Luka clearly were not getting along, and that's been uh, evident with the stuff that's being reported afterwards, after Carlisle Carlisle decided to leave the franchise. So, I mean, I think this is a good— Yes, they are in disarray, and Cuban looks very bad. It's been a bad 36 months for Cuban, pretty much, with the whole business side of the thing and everything. But a fresh start at this point in the Mavs franchise with the with the with Luca and where he is at, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, no, I can agree with that. You know, I was one. I was uh, on the other side of of your take of saying that they should let go. Carlisle said, you know, let's give it one more run, see what you can do, see if you can add pieces to the roster. But if you're going to start over, I mean, start over. You know, get a new GM in there, get a new head coach. It sounds like Luca's happy with with the move of of Carlisle leaving. So if that's what they're going to do, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it all the way, right? Go all in. So. Um, it uh, it is in a bit of a disarray and a little bit of chaos and uh, and uh, sounds like Mark Cuban might need to you know kind of shore up some things before uh, before the season starts for sure as far as just how the franchise is being ran not even personnel wise just how the franchise is being ran it seems like he might need to clean it up a little bit but I agree like I said if uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna get a new head coach get you know I don't know if they go head coach and then he brings in his GM or if a GM go get they get a GM first and then they bring in his head coach or if they make uh, this this guy this analytics guy if he's gonna be the one calling the shots it'll be interesting to see how they how they work that out and how they figure that out but uh, you know I like I said I was I was a Carlisle guy I still am a Carlisle guy in his statement he said you know I look forward to the next step of my coaching career so that tells me he's not done coaching he's just done coaching here. Um, so, you know, I'll be rooting for him, you know, looking forward to see where he lands and, and, uh, there's, like we mentioned quite a few spots that are opening up. Uh, so I'm sure he won't have any problem finding a job should he want one, but, uh, yeah, man, like it's, it's going to be interesting to see these next, these next, I guess, what do we have four or five months before the season starts? Uh, probably shoot, probably less than that. I'm not around four months, uh, and see what's, what direction the, uh, the Mavs are heading. Cause it could, it could get ugly. You know, they bring in the wrong couple guys and all of a sudden Lucas, they feel like Lucas talents being wasted for two years. And, uh, you know, he's still going to sign the super max cause he's going to be able to get $200 million, but it'll be interesting to see how they, how they, how this works out. But I think this could be a pivotal moment and pivotal, pivotal time for the Mavs and making sure they bring in the right guys to, to get this team headed in the right direction. Well, Cuban said yesterday that they're going to hire the GM first and then bring in the coach, which is what you have to do. And one of the things, too, is like if he hired a GM, was the GM going to want Carlisle as the coach? Right. Like, is, is, because look, I, everyone is high on Carlisle, but again, what has he accomplished in the last 10 years? Like, that's my, I think he's a good, good coach but i we put him on a pedestal that i don't think he belongs on like i i don't think that he belongs on on the pedestal that people think he's at just because of the success or the lack of success that that uh that that he's had so maybe he clearly didn't want to work with the new gm he clearly has another job lined up um right now in the league i think i think he's i i mean mark stein said the Bucks have been rumored for weeks. Boonholzer is a horrible like Boonholzer is smoke and mirrors. Like people thought he's a good. I don't Boonholzer is not a good coach. He is not a good coach. And Carlisle with the Bucks, I think would be great. 
I think that'd be a great fit because clearly the Bucks just lack any offensive execution late in games. And and Carlisle can get them a sense of ball movement and just some good the free flowing offense that um, that Carlisle runs that could help out Milwaukee. But the GM thing, like I don't think Volgaris, Bob Volgaris is going to be the GM. Like I don't think he wants to be the GM. That's the thing. He wants to be the analytic guy that says, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this. But he doesn't want, he wants to be like, Oh, we're doing this move. Why don't we try and get this guy and this guy? That's who I'll tell you what to get, but I don't want to be making the actual trades for it. Mm-hmm. And like, he doesn't, he doesn't want to be, he doesn't want to be the GM. He wants, he pretty much wants to be the shadow GM. And that's, that's the thing too. And also Cuban is a shadow GM. If we're coming yeah. down to think of it, doesn't everything fall at Cuban's feet? Like we all hear about how hands-on he is, hands-on he is. He's the one making the final shots and everyone thinks that he is pretty involved in the organization, very involved. Like you think he's not throwing out deals of like this and that. And like Volgaris liked, uh, like the, uh, Josh Richardson for Seth Curry trade. All right, Cuban, let's do that one. With the, in the story on the Athletic, the big one was the draft room, the analytics guys like Josh Green, and then the uh, scouts like Sadiq Bay, and they went with Josh Green, the analytics guys. So you could see that he's leaning heavily on him when they make the decisions by just going with the reporting is so. Whoever the new GM is, is going to have to figure out if they're going to work with Volgaris because his contract is up at the end of the league year. Cuban pretty much has to bring him back because you can't let Nelson go, Carlisle go, and then, oh, Volgaris is gone too. Well, then if Volgaris is gone, why did you let Donnie go? Why didn't you just keep Donnie if Volgaris is gone? Because they, they two, they were beefing. So you let one go, you're going to let both go. That doesn't make any sense. And then the new GM is going to have to work with Volgaris and then Cuban. Like, there's... The whole organizational structure is a mess. And look, I know dysfunction from the Browns organization. Like this is this looks like peak Jimmy Haslam when he first took over the Browns. Owner that is is too involved in the team and wants to make all the decisions himself and not trusting the people that are involved or that he's hired to run the team and and dysfunction sets up with that. That's what happened with John Dorsey when they brought in the analytics guys. This is the same thing here. Donnie Nelson's John Dorsey and Bob Volgaris is Paul DePodesta. The analytics guys won that time and the analytics guys have won this time. Like just this is the dysfunction is very, very key and it is very prevalent in there and how, how the Mavs come out of this and how Cuban, he needs to take a look in the mirror too. Cause for some reason we just look past what happened with the whole, business side of the things with the sexual harassment culture he has going on there and that whole type of deal. Like no one even talks about it anymore. Like that is an, that is a direct correlation of Cuban and how he runs his franchise. Oh, I don't know the business side. Oh, well then guess what? Your director of basketball operations had to be fired because he was sexually harassing employees after you brought in Cynthia Marsh, St. Marshall, whatever her name is. So he needs to take a look in the mirror and maybe he should stop doing all these other Shark Tank, all these other business ventures, and just focus on the mass for a little bit and get his house in order. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that last part at all. Um, you know, I mean, I think uh, we looked up the other day. I think he has he's, his net worth right around twenty billion. 
like buddy i mean i mean how much more how much higher can you can that get you know like you said if you're your biggest focus right now should be the Mavs and is the Mavs because that's what kind of puts him in the spotlight. And that's what people kind of judge him the most off of. I would say, yeah, he's a he's a very, very successful businessman, obviously. That goes without saying. And, you know, internet, you know, internet mogul, I guess you could kind of say, you know, get did a lot of stuff in tech. Probably a tech mogul more so than internet uh, mogul. But uh, no, I agree. I mean, as far as far as bringing up the the. Uh, you know, the lack of institutional control with the sexual harassment, you know, I think with some good reason, it's not brought up because, <clears throat> because they, they kind of got rid of the, of the guy that, that was causing all this. And as long as it's not happening again, not saying to give him a pass, but as long as it's not happening anymore and everyone that works there is beginning to feel safe and comfortable again, then I don't really know that it's necessary to bring it up. Um, but I can agree with saying that the fact that, that it happened could show how in disarray the franchise was. Uh, but you know, as far as analytics go, I, you know, in basketball, I kind of, I get, you know, you know, I get how it can be important, but when you have a superstar like Luca, I don't know how much analytics you can really, how much an analytics you should really rely on rather than, and I'm, I'm not saying, Hey, just roll the ball out there and let the guy cook by any means. Cause we've seen a lot of teams try to do that and that didn't, that doesn't work. But, you know, I don't, I just, I just hope, I feel like analytics are more so for teams that don't have that bona fide superstar. They have some guys that can do some things and that's when you need to start relying heavily on the analytics. Now, if you need to go into that to add some pieces like a three point shooter, you know, a, a rebounder, whatever it may be, then yeah, for sure. But as far as, as, you know, basing how you're going to build this team around that, I think when you have a, a bona fide superstar like Luca, who's, you know, a, a top five player in the league right now. Uh, you know, I, I just, I just hope that they don't try to lean too heavy on that, put too much, uh, emphasis on that when it, I don't know that it's super necessary, but don't you need to know like who on the team, look at like offensive rating, defensive rating. No, hundred percent. hundred percent. But that's, that's adding, adding right pieces. There. No, no. And adding pieces for sure. And that, that's what I said. Uh, you know, but uh, like I said, I, I don't just think that they need to put all the eggs in the basket of, of finding. And I guess, I mean, you can really say anything is, is analytical now, you know, anything that you're looking to do. So I it's just, when you start, try to start getting too finite, that's when I think teams start running into issues when they have, these uh the guys that can take over games is when it's like well yeah i know you can take over the game but let's just kind of follow the the follow the the, the program and the, the algorithm that we have set up to make sure that we're getting the most efficient well sometimes the most efficient thing by by the uh numbers isn't always what's best for game flow and and situational things and so like i said when you have a a, a guy that can get it done at all levels Sometimes not in the fourth quarter. Maybe that's when you need to start. Maybe you need to do some fourth quarter analytical work there. Um, you know, it's uh, I think that's when you, you know, that's that's kind of needs to be the main focus. You know, find these guys that can do certain things around Luca and base your whole team off of that. And again, you can say anything's analytical. This guy has this offensive rating. This guy has, you know, this this, uh, you know, this amount of PER. So we need to make sure that he has that he's on the court, whatever it may be. So it's just I, I the analytics things when you have this superstar, I'm going to repeat myself one more time. I just think can can kind of sometimes just just interrupt things more so than than help. But that's when you have to find the guy that is willing to listen to the analytics and then, all right, I'm going to take I'm going to take this into account and then use that with his game flow management. Like, I don't think anybody is ever saying that. Every sport should be 100% analytical. Like even baseball is the closest where you hear that. But even then, I don't think people are saying 
Let's just trust the numbers 100% of the time. Like you have to feel, you have to. Have I don't know. Guy. The Rays did in the World Series, and look how that worked out for them. Well, that was Kevin Cash, and every I'm saying, but that Kevin Cash did a bad job of using his gut. Mm-hmm. Of of that was him. He used the numbers, but what I'm saying is, you need a manager that can look Manage at the numbers both. and then feel the game as it's going yeah. on. No, I agree. Can mesh, Agreed. Mesh both. And we would say, other than that, Kevin Cash has done a pretty good job at feeling out the game when it comes to analytics and the style of baseball. Aren't the Dodgers one of the most analytically driven teams? They're in the World Series like ever. They also have one of the best teams and the highest payroll, but they're also in the World Series every year. And look, Dave Roberts makes some bad decisions, but they won the World Series, and he's always there. So he must do some decent of a job of managing analytics and like feel the game. Agreed. So yeah, so the whole, the whole thing with analytics, like everybody wants to rip. We've done this a lot, but everyone wants to rip on analytics. You have to get the right people in place that understand the numbers, and then how to translate that to the game with also realize, also then using their gut and how they would manage without it. And like for instance, I think the big the big thing is that Carlisle, and in the athletic story, it was like, all right, Volgaris tells Carlisle run these lineups, run. Um, call the timeout to this point and everything like that. And like he called the timeout when they were up 29 to 11 or 28 to 11 in the, in the game three of the Clipper series. And Luca was like, why are we calling a timeout here? Why am I coming out of the game? We're rolling. We could step on their throat. And then same thing in game six, when they're at home, they're tied. And he calls a timeout like seven minutes ago in the fourth quarter. And the Clippers were struggling. And Luca looks over the bench. Like, why are we calling a timeout now? Like that's just not, he wasn't on, he didn't have the feel of that. And he was just, he calls his timeouts when he calls his timeouts and he's just going to go with it no matter how the game's going. And it, and it potentially cost him in the series. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously being talked about a lot now is if the Mavs win against the Clippers, does any of this happen? Look, the story is still coming out in the athletic and I still think it happens. It just maybe prolonged a week later. Maybe Rick stays around another year. But I still think Donnie's gone. I still think he goes. I don't think a win against the Clippers changes really anything. Yeah, probably. Yeah, pro- I'd probably agree with that. You know, it'd probably be a little bit of a tougher decision to be scrutinized a little bit more if they were able to get by. Um, but uh, you know, and especially especially if this quiet injury still happens, and then uh, or or excuse me. Yeah, I mean, even if the quiet injury happens in the first round and they're still able to get by the Clippers, I still think, uh, you know, it's it's uh, it wouldn't be looked at the same. So, you know, even if they do lose in that second round or whatever, it's still they would still make the same decision. All right. Elsewhere in the playoffs, let's get to the playoffs. The Kevin Durant, an all time performance the other night, leading the Bucks, 48 minutes, 49 points what 15 assists and 10 rebounds or so just an all-time performance single-handedly beat the bucks and i know it's been talked about a lot about since since we didn't record yesterday but i know harden went one of 10 from the floor and this is tough because there was a game last time the nets lost but harden wasn't getting enough credit i don't think for being out there for 46 minutes on a on a bad hamstring like yeah he, he like he was a decoy and he couldn't make a bucket but being out there for 46 minutes in your first game, like that was gutsy as hell for some guy that's been ripped a lot. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, I agree. And, uh, you know, thankfully they didn't go with the Reggie Miller plan and just sit KD and Durant. Uh, they're going to a game seven either way. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, uh, we always bash James Harden first performances in the playoffs. This one, like you said, he couldn't make a bucket, but you can understand being out there for that long. I mean, when you have, when you have a bum hamstring, like that just ruins everything because then it starts leaking up into your butt cheek and then yeah, that kind of starts leaking into your back and it's just, it's a nightmare. Everything starts kind of pulling in one direction and it's all pulling down. And so you just feel like you can't straighten your leg out and it, it's, 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 a, it's a tough go. So that was a gritty performance, even though, like you said, the numbers may not show it, but uh, uh, luckily you're able to just let uh kd go out there and just cook and do his thing so it really doesn't matter you know if if this happens for james harden on the rockets that's the only story the last two days or whatever is is oh he disappears in the playoffs again he disappears in the playoffs again but again fortunately enough for for him and the nets they got again arguably a top two player in the league and uh he did top two players type stuff yeah well and then harden last night knocks the rust. that was like a knock the rust off game for harden because then last yeah. night the shot looked better. He made some buckets. Only 16 points, but um, yeah, I mean, that was a all-time performance by Durant the other night. And it's just playing every single minute, too. The last guy to do that was LeBron when they beat the Celtics in 2018 in Game 7 of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's just, I mean, it really, like, he, Durant not making an All-NBA team is kind of funny this year because he literally is the arguably the best, one of the top, interchangeable whatever the top three players in the world and him not making all NBA teams hilarious like he was injured this year and that's probably why he didn't make it but like you forget how good he is because he missed it with his Achilles last year and just like a couple of lost seasons in there you're just like god this guy is so so freaking good yeah no it really is the stuff that he can do with the basketball at that height and that length is just uh it's just unfair it is and then the Sixers Blow two games in a row, big leads. Tough. Oh, tough. I think they're going to win tonight, but, I mean, Simmons, he stinks. He, like, the fact that only two guys made field goals the other night in the second half, Curry and, and, and Embiid, is is ridiculous. That's That can't happen. And Simmons only takes one field goal. I know they were hacking him all the time. But, I mean, he that was just... Horrible. And Doc Rivers, look, my dad and I have been on the Doc Rivers is not a good coach for a long, long time. And now he's he's rolling up choke jobs left and right here and there. And it seems like that bandwagon is gaining a lot of steam. Yeah, no. And like going back to the Ben Simmons thing, I mean, it's tough. He's definitely not the player people thought he was going to be. They thought they maybe be, be, be able to develop a shot. He, he certainly hasn't. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that can finish around the hoop really, really well, obviously a fantastic defender, but you don't want your guy that, you know, obviously Embiid is the guy Embiid's the guy. Like when you're, when you need points in crunch time, you're going to Embiid. Definitely not the player people thought he was going to be. They thought they maybe be, be, be able to develop a shot. He, he certainly hasn't. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that can finish around the hoop really, really well. Obviously a fantastic defender, but you don't want your guy that, you know, obviously Embiid is the guy. Embiid's the guy. Like when you're, when you need points in crunch time, you're going to Embiid, but Ben Simmons is also supposed to be that dude, but instead he's the guy that you need locking somebody down on the other end of the court. And so, like I said, they hack him because he can't make a free throw. He just has zero jumper. Uh, he can get to the hoop and finish around the hoop. No problem. You know, with some of the best of them, it's probably him and Kyrie right there. One and two that finish around the hoop. But, uh, 
it's just it's it's tough it's tough going like they they absolutely need somebody else that can take over and score the ball a little bit uh when when they need to and the funniest thing when simmons was at the line was when they went to the camera and that guy in the crowd was like doing the doing the shooting motion like hey this is how this is the form this is a form you got to get that is that is an all-time uh that's an all-time moment right there yeah um that was hilarious do you think they're gonna get it done do you think they're going to end up winning the series, or is there's Trey Young going to have another uh, skin on the wall in an Eastern Conference Finals in his first playoffs? No, I think I think they get it done tonight. I do. I think they have to. They absolutely have to get it done tonight, um, and then try to uh, try to take it home again in Philly. Yeah, I I don't know. They look like a beaten team. Yeah, I mean, and going to Atlanta, it's going to make it even more tough. Um, what's the line? Have you even? I, I haven't, I haven't even line. seen it. I haven't looked. I had Philly money line in a parlay the other night that I thought was Philly minus three. Philly minus three at home. So Hawks home dog might take that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And the Clippers are underdogs tonight too. Yeah, that's kind of surprising. I'm surprised by that. Um, and then yeah, that. Paul George, look, he turned into a good player without Kawhi Leonard. Playoff maybe peak. he just can't play with Kawhi. Yeah, maybe. They might um, have to right, Kawhi. You, how are you feeling about the Suns? Got, you got to hope the Jazz win tonight. Got to hope the Jazz win tonight, 1,000%. This whole Chris Paul thing is just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me right now. He's in COVID protocol. They, I think He tested positive, but he has the vaccine. And, are we but, sure he has the vaccine? Because I haven't yeah, seen that no, yet. No, yeah, he got, he got vaccinated back in January, they said. Um, and, uh, so I don't know. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Um, but I don't know. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's, I feel good about it. I will feel better with him on the court. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of what it boils down to. That's kind of, as long as Chris Paul's on the court, I feel a lot, lot better. I still think that without him, see, the problem is, Without Chris Paul, we're looking at a whole lot of campaign, and that's the last thing we want. I mean, even when we're up by 30, we get a little too much campaign, and it, uh, it's going to be a tough go. Um, but I, I, I still have a lot of confidence going in as long as it's against the Jazz, even against the Clippers. Like, if, if Chris Paul's on the court, I don't care who it is, I feel good about the Suns. I would, yeah, I would. Any, look, even if he misses, he's probably only going to miss one game if he's vaccinated. Yeah, or he's vaccinated. I still don't understand how the NBA is, why the NBA is testing vaccinated players. That's same, me. Yeah, agreed. I don't. I don't get that. Like the NFL came out with their thing. If you're vaccinated, you're not getting tested. The tour, I know the tour, PGA tour, they don't test vaccinated players anymore. Um, I don't get what the NBA is doing. And if he's vaccinated, like all the numbers show pretty much impossible for someone that's vaccinated to transmit the disease to someone else. Um, and if you're vaccinated, you're pretty much asymptomatic. And it's, so I don't I, the NBA needs to get, they need probably better protocols right now with, uh, with, uh, vaccinated players as more, uh, data comes out on it, but I don't, I don't get, uh, I don't get that, but each league has their own rules. And I assume next year that there'll be more, uh, they'll be better when it comes to that if they're still uh, testing guys next year. But that was that was very uh, surprising. Or that it was it wasn't it was just it was the start of a crazy NBA day, and then everybody's speculating because they just say he's in protocols, 
and everyone's doing their old bit of what is he vaccinated, is he vaccinated, is he not, this, blah, 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 this and that, trying to read into his old, it's everybody's choice if they want to get vaccinated, just a whole lot of speculation when there was no info, and the info we get is, uh, the next update is tomorrow, um, uh, sometime tomorrow. Yeah. Um, but, uh, all right, you got to leave here, so we'll end it there. We'll talk about college football and the playoffs sometime uh, next week. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in the short thing this week. We will talk to you again next week. Have a great weekend, everybody.